0: I've been privileged to have spoken with quite a few behind-the-scenes musicians over the years, some blessed with the talent of being able to write songs. Uh, And along the way, I've heard stories from people who have produced records for artists. Uh, Today on Lincoln Live, I have a man who can do it all. Mojo Magazine listed Steve Cropper among the top 100 greatest guitarists of all times. Steve has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, and the Songwriters Hall of Fame, co-writing Knock on Wood, Midnight Hour, and in 1967, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay with Otis Redding. Steve is that guitar on the Booker T and the MGs classic Green Onions, and on and on and on it goes. Steve has produced for John Prine, Jeff Beck, John Mellencamp, and did I mention that Steve is also a founding member of the Blues Brothers, featured in both movies and on tour? I am just excited as a kid can be on Christmas to talk to Steve Cropper today on Lincoln Live. Hi, Steve.
1: How are we doing? <laughs> doing? You know, that sounds pretty good. I want to meet that guy. <laughs> I'd like to meet that guy. Well, um, Nobody's supposed to be doing all that stuff.
0: One more bit of introduction here. Steve is out with his first solo album in 50 years. Here's some of it. Fire it up. Welcome to Lincoln Live.
1: My pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: Nixon Thank was you. president the last time you came out with a solo album, so why so long?
1: Well, I, that's a good question. I, I was asked to do a lot, of, a lot of albums. I've done a bunch of them, uh, different things for different reasons, and it was all about the songs and the music and this and that. I think this album is just about dancing. Now, I don't want to take away from what Roger's doing vocally, but uh, this album is definitely... So happy music makes you want to dance and i say it's the first one i've done like that since my first album in the
0: 60s i'll have to get it because my wife's a dancer and i love to watch yeah, her dance so that's incentive for me for this one. yeah well i read <laughs> i read steve where you heard yourself in a way on this album fire it up that you hadn't heard since 1969 so take me there what do you mean by that
1: well, I think every every note that I play is really there for the purpose of completing a melody or doing making melody, and and it's all part of the rhythm too. And uh, you know, I got got my wish on this one. I'm playing both guitars, and I play both guitars on uh, "Dock of the, the Song" like "Dock of the Bay," which is pretty cool. And uh, it's fortunate when I get to do that because. What I do on rhythm is it's always going to set a groove and get you dancing. And I got to do that. And uh, we sent those tracks to Roger during the pandemic. And he sang all these tracks through an iPhone. <laughs> people don't believe it. And I, I still don't believe it. I'm going, the quality is too good to be an iPhone. But anyway, it is an iPhone. So that's good advertising for iPhones. But now the people that manufacture these phones are all about film. And you can edit your own films just like they do in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So those days i guess are gone but it'd be it'd been nice to have been on top of it back in those days
0: <laughs> well i also read steve you speak of the covid uh, the pandemic i read where you say that the lockdown put you in a place where you could work on stuff that's been in your head for years so referring again back to fire it up how much of that stuff in your head made it onto this album
1: well, I think all of, most of the solo licks—I'd say about ninety, ninety-five percent of them—were were just licks in the back of my head. The, the grooves. John Tiven, who's a co-producer on this record, he and I started writing together a long time ago. And when when the uh, Felix Cavallari and Cropper project came along, we thought we would just use some of those songs. Felix played on a couple of them, and he's on a couple of, on this album, a couple of tracks. But during the time, he said, you know, uh, I enjoy playing on them, but I'm not going to play on everything. And um, I know for sure I'm not going to sing them. So we just I just dropped it. We just went on to some some other music. And that's what we did. So these things were I'd already written them off. Let's let's put it that way. I just forgotten about them. I really had. Mm-hmm. John Tivin called me and brought it to my attention during the pandemic. And he said, you know, he has a studio in his house, so he had access to these tracks all the time. And he's, that's why he's playing most of the instruments and all that. He's a very talented musician. He's playing harmonica, keyboards, bass, horns, you know, saxophones and stuff. And uh, we might have embellished it a little bit uh, during the mix when we bounced everything down to Pro Tools. But I don't. We didn't do a lot to it. We just put it all together and made it work.
0: I am curious because you're so talented in so many different areas with so much experience, Steve. When you record, do you hear music as a musician or as a producer?
1: Boy, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I I like hearing things for the first time. You you can't hear it for the, I mean, it is the first time when you write a song and you hear it over and over and then you put it aside and you mm-hmm. either cut it or put it away somewhere and bring it back. The thing about this album, I had not heard these tracks in a long time and it was fun to hear them back. With, more finished and, I, and when I heard uh, Roger sing John Timmons sent me stuff of him singing and I said where's this guy been all my life and I went whoa and it just got better and better every time we'd send him a track he'd send him back and it'd be incredible so uh, exactly what we were thinking and uh, the titles and the, t- the lyrics and all that sort of stuff and one of the things that I think in the pandemic era uh, which we're still in the middle of it not in the middle of it we're still we're on the Winding down on it, basically. Uh, when he sings, uh, "I can't believe what I'm seeing today." <laughs> no kidding. Everything that's wrong is right, and it, 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 he's kind of correct on that. The whole world is upside down, and we all know that. But uh, and it's it, for, for those of us, uh, those I put myself in that category too, would like to get. We would like to get back to normally normalcy or whatever the way we used to do you're used to doing things and it's like they say it's hard to teach an old guy new tricks (laughs) well maybe i'll have to learn a few there you go (laughs) but we're talking about guitar playing and and i just i like to hear something for the first time and get my reaction it to me the the ideas and all just fall out of the ceiling and uh, i let it go at that so i don't like to pre-plan anything i don't like to have something worked out you know i mean it's it's hard enough to learn stuff that you have to play later. And when I'm asked, do you have any advice for young musicians? I say, yeah, be careful what you play on sessions. You may be asked to play it again one day. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to relearn it. And uh, I can experience that by the fact that fans used to come up to me and said, man, can you play that lick you played on so-and-so? I said, man, I don't mind. If you get the record, I'll learn it. But... I played on 150 songs since it I did that, and, and we don't we didn't treat them any different. One hit, that's great, and so you got to play it again. That's what people want to hear. That's why they buy a ticket to see you play.
0: I started our conversation with uh, Fire It Up. Uh, pick another song, pick another track, and uh, tell me a real quick story, and we'll let listeners hear it.
1: Well, you know, I mentioned some of the lyrics are far away, and I love that. I love what Beth did on it, and uh, she's probably the only guest artist other than some drummers that we have on a record. And the fact is, she lives next door to John Tibbins, so all she had to do was walk through the backyard get on the microphone and sing. <laughs> we could have used her more, but I, you know, with not being able to, you know, all albums today have guests on it, guest artists and so forth, and I've had one out a few years ago with all guest artists, big ones and uh, that's all well and good but in the days of the pandemic and the lockdowns you couldn't travel so we couldn't have had artists on there if we wanted them anyway and uh i don't know i i, I just I, I really like far away and you said pick another song i like she's so fine that paul Ro- rogers wrote the lyrics to it. and you would never think this guy's in love with, <clears throat> with a ride operator and she'll take you up sooner or later that is so cool that is a great idea he goes to the fair and falls in love with somebody's running a, a ride. <laughs> I think it's great.
0: Let's go with "She's So Fine."
1: Okay, all right, there you go. She,
0: "She's So Fine." Steve Cropper from the uh, LP fired up. quickly running out of time, and I knew this would be the case. I did a quick YouTube scan of past interviews, and I could not come across the one on your first trip to London. The Beatles sent a Bentley for you?
1: We were a little overwhelmed by it, but the fact is we had too many guys in the band to fit in that limo, and so we, we just bypassed it, went outside, and caught a cab, I guess, to the hotel or whatever we did that. The promoter, I think, had transportation waiting for us. So it was a, a nice gesture by the Beatles sending that, and we hated to turn the car down. Red carpet and everything. It is what it is, and uh, there was just too many of us to get in that uh, Bentley.
0: The Beatles sent you a Bentley, and you took a cab. That's sad.
1: <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> that, that is real bad. <laughs> I laugh about it now, but it yeah. probably wasn't funny at the time. And yeah. I said, man, we spent all this money and time and had this guy meet them and at the plane and all that sort of stuff. And, they didn't take advantage
0: of it. What were you doing in London and what in proximity to the Beatles?
1: Well, we were we were starting that Stax Vote Tour in nineteen sixty seven. Okay. All right. And the Beatles were already big by then. You know, they were monsters. And they did come to one of our rehearsals one day and I got to meet three of them. And of course, my story is the guy that I really wanted to meet, I wanted to meet all of them, but the guy I wanted to meet was a guitar player, George, and he wasn't there. <laughs> I had no idea after meeting uh, John and Ringo, and Paul was the only one in the band of the four guys I never did work with. But uh, I, I had no idea that Ringo and I would ever get together. We we were on a plane one time together, and that that flight from uh, a flight from Memphis to L.A. And he convinced me, and I was at the time producing Jose Feliciano down in Orange County, and he said, "Why don't you come up and play on my new record?" I, I don't know so. Found out we had some time off on the weekend. I went up and played with them. We recorded "Step Lightly," and uh, every time I see your face, it reminds me of the places. They were actually Richard Perry was going to throw that off the session. In other words, he didn't throw it off the set. He said, "We'll get to it. We'll, we'll do the song later." And I look at Nicky Hopkins. I said, "Nicky, let's go out, and put a groove on this thing." And we did. <laughs> Before long, we had all the guys coming out of the control room and sitting down and playing with us. So.
0: Good decision.
1: One or two takes, and so we had it.
0: Good decision. Steve, it's been a pleasure talking to you. If you are My ever, pleasure. ever, Thank ever, ever in Nebraska for whatever reason, I would just love to meet you, shake your hand, and away you go. I, I am so impressed with your, you got your it, musical man. experience. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.